You're listening to AIB Market Talk with our latest financial market update. Hello and welcome to our special Market Talk podcast with AIB Private Banking. I'm Jane Kavner from AIB Corporate Treasury and I'm very pleased to welcome back Sarah McGee, Senior Investment Consultant with AIB Private Banking and John Fahey, our Senior Economist in AIB. John, I might go to you first just to touch on the economic backdrop as since last we spoke, it's fair to say there appears to have been some softening in economic activity. Should we be concerned? Yes, the uh, incoming data does suggest some uh, loss momentum over recent months. However, I think it's important to point out at the same time that you know underlying growth, we're still in recovery mode. Those major economies are still recovering. So it's not all negative news, but, but it does appear that there has been uh, some loss of momentum. Uh, uh, the backdrop to this is higher inflation amid higher energy costs, uh, supply and labour shortages and ongoing issues in relation to uh, COVID-19. Because if you think back to the first half of the year, you know, global forecasts then were revised considerably higher for 2021-2022. And this was on the back of a relatively successful vaccine rollout programme and economies becoming better able to cope with the restrictions that were in place. So we kind of had reached the peak of good news from a macro perspective uh, around the halfway point and since then, some of the data has been uh, surprising more to the downside rather than the upside. We've seen that in the PMI surveys, the regular monthly surveys from all the main economies, but albeit they are still consistent with strong growth, but just not as strong uh, as we had seen earlier. Uh, retail sales have also lost some momentum, most notably in the UK, uh, and then the all and much watched uh, US payroll number uh, has tended to disappoint over the last two months. So that's reflected too in the fact that just this week we saw the IMF uh, revised downwards somewhat its forecasts for global growth for some of the key advanced economies. But again, albeit rather than closer to 7% for the UK, US economy, maybe their growth rates now with the OECD as well, for those economies are closer to 6%. So still strong growth rates but just not as strong as as previously uh, had been anticipated. And basically, there's two factors behind this uh, slower pace of recovery. The first is that the much more uh, transmissible variant of COVID-19 in relation to the Delta variant has seen a surge in new case numbers over the summer. And it's a particular concern where vaccination rates are low and it's weighing on confidence and consumer behaviour. And secondly, supply bottlenecks are becoming more acute in some sectors shortages of raw materials, key inputs and workers. So, you know, capacity difficulties in transportation, overall delays uh, and rising supplier delivery time. So this is holding back output uh, in some economies. So most notably the auto sector. So in short, really what's happening is the supply side of economies is struggling to keep pace uh, with the surge in demand. Uh, And that surge in demand is obviously on the back of pent up demand that was there during the restrictions that have been placed for much of the last 12 to 18 months. So suddenly economies reopened and the supply side of things is struggling to keep up with that. Thanks, John. And Sarah, turning to you, John has referred to higher energy costs across the global markets and indeed that slower pace. What did you see happening and not just with commodities, but across the global markets? And indeed, what were the main themes during the summer? Well, Jane, the quarter began in line with what we've been seeing since the start of the year. So we did have the positive economic recovery. However, as we progressed through the summer, volatility spiked in July. We saw inflation in the States hitting around 5.4%. So we still do have those supply chain constraints, labour shortages and higher COVID figures. But 
In spite of all of this, the S&P and the euro stocks did grow marginally in the quarter, so up 0.2% for the S&P and up around 0.4% for the euro stocks. Um, I think by the end of the quarter, global markets were up around 2% in euro terms. So even with all of these concerns, markets have held firm. And if we look at it on a more of a year-to-date basis, the S&P and the euro stocks are still up over 14%, with global markets up 18% in euro terms. And if we look at returns on a more regional basis, so developed markets did outperform um, emerging markets and we saw Europe actually outperforming the US over the quarter. So just to go back over emerging markets, they've been mostly performing above pre-pandemic levels for a while now and fell by 6.7% in euro terms over the quarter with China leading these declines. And that began with um, a move by Beijing to ban private tutoring businesses making profits, which sent some worries throughout the market that other businesses may face the same restrictions, which led to a sell-off primarily within the US tech space. And then when we hit September, um, there were a lot of concerns surrounding the potential collapse of the property group Evergrande. Um, Many of the concerns were that any potential collapse would spread outside of Chinese borders. And this led to a spike in volatility across global markets. And that level of volatility led to the majority of gains being reversed or that had been achieved during the quarter being reversed. And John, coming back to you, given the picture you painted earlier of higher inflation, while at the same time economies are in recovery mode, it's not an easy job being a central banker at the moment, is it? What can we expect to see from central banks over coming quarters? Yeah, so there's a challenging deliberations going on because, as you say, you know, with higher inflation, but at the same time, uh, the main e- economies are still in recovery mode. Uh, and Sarah referred there to, you know, those inflation rates in Eurozone and UK have been above 3% and in the U- US been above 5%. And what we have seen over the last number of weeks and months in terms of data is that even though central banks are still holding to the view that this spike in inflation will prove uh, transitory, one thing that has kind of come into the discourse is how long is transitory and the period of that time or the temporary nature does appear to last longer. In other words, you know, the upside risks to inflation have risen. So, you know, gas prices, as we look ahead, are expected to remain very elevated uh, over the coming months. Uh, owing to supply shortages. You've got those disruptions to supply chains that aren't going to be resolved anytime soon. And this is especially around transportation, shortage of key inputs, uh, as well as uh, container and shipping costs. They look set to persist for longer and fundamentally too, in terms of when you look at the underlying economy, shortage labor is becoming more acute. So this is putting upward pressure uh, on wages. So therefore, against that uh, expected outlook, you know, you'd probably see inflation rates prove slower to fall than had been originally anticipated. But as I said, central banks are still strongly of the view that the supply bottlenecks will eventually ease, albeit they're coming around to the uh, expectation that it may take a little bit longer uh, than previously envisaged uh, for this to happen. But the general view among central banks is that, you know, those supply bottlenecks will ease as we move towards the second half of next year, allowing those key inflation rates fall back towards the respective targets for those uh, central banks. So it definitely is challenging because you've got the competing forces and tensions between higher inflation and the still considerable slack that's there in the labour market. So tricky deliberations uh, for central banks. 
Yeah, John, taking that into account, I suppose in recent weeks, we've seen markets start to price in rate hikes much earlier than previously expected. You might expand on that and tell us what's happening there. So when we looked at the summer, the, the big focus over the summer was around the Fed and, and, and QE tapering. And at the last Fed meeting, we got strong signal from the Fed that 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 tapering uh, would probably be announced uh, in November. So the market uh, has generally taken that in its stride. But what we have seen, though, is you know a big shift in market rate expectations, and it's basically pricing in uh, rate hikes much sooner than expected, especially in the UK. We've also seen a notable increase uh, in bond yields on the back of that. And, and that's against the backdrop of, of the higher inflation that we've talked about and the view that it could persist for longer. So markets are now pricing in rate hikes much sooner than they were a few months ago. So when we look at futures contracts, which are an indication of what's priced in by the market, you know, the market's pricing in the possibility that the UK may rate hike rates before the end of this year now. We still think that probably won't happen, but that's what's priced in there at the market at the moment. In the eurozone, when we would have last spoken, you know, market expectations around the ECB was no change probably till late uh, 2023, early 2024. And now futures contracts suggest the market's pricing in the possibility of rate increases by the end of 22, early 2023. Albeit, uh, you know, these rate hikes would be very modest uh, in nature. And in the U.S., markets are expecting rate hikes in the second half of next year. Now, whether these materialize or not will very much depend on, you know, the inflation trajectory and and, and the timing and turning point of it starting to move lower and the easing in those uh, supply bottlenecks. Because overall, what's happening is economies struggling to cope and meet the surge in demand that has followed the lifting of the COVID-19 restrictions. But the general expectation is that those supply bottlenecks will ease as we move into next year towards the second half. And on the back of that, those inflation uh, rates should start to move lower. But nonetheless, the market at the moment is pricing in. And that has been a significant development uh, from a rate hike expectation, just what the market has done over the last while and, and also in relation to bond yields. And I suppose, Sarah, you're seeing that in terms of increased volatility on markets when you look at equity markets. Yes, John. Well, equity markets are continuing to receive support due to their attractive dividend yields. So they are outperforming relative to deposit rates and bond yields, especially across Europe. So the yield at the minute on European markets is around 3%, with yields in the US around 1.5%. So as you can see, these are very attractive in comparison to what you could potentially get in on deposit. There have been a lot of discussions surrounding where our equity markets are in regards to their valuations. And if we look at metrics such as price to earnings ratios, they can appear quite expensive, particularly in the US. But that's not the case in other markets. Um, We do still see some value in Europe. And actually, if we look at where we currently are now with the pullback that just happened in September and with some earnings upgrades, valuations are closer more to their long term averages. So while we have um, pretty much a, a broadly positive consensus towards equity markets over the short to medium term, the issues that we have discussed in our previous questions have still got the potential to unsettle markets. And aside from these issues as well, there are some political pieces going on. So we have a new government in Germany and also we're seeing President Biden tackling some issues in the US. So he's trying to be trying to finalise some new stimulus programmes. There's tax increases that he has to implement. And he's also seeking to increase the debt ceiling as well. Thanks, Sarah. And in terms of commodities, what are you seeing? 
Yes, Jane. Um, in relation to commodities, we have seen gas prices hit large spikes over recent months. And we're seeing the same story with oil prices, which held firm over the quarter. Both are expected to continue to rally over the short to medium term, given the strong demand and global supply constraints. Supply issues are hopefully expected to ease in 2022. And there's a hope that we'll see an adjustment downwards, especially if the US-Iran deal is reached and that will allow supply from shale producers to ramp up. There's also pressure increasing on OPEC producers to fully unwind output cuts ahead of the planned timeline, which was the end of 2022, which will hopefully impact prices next year. If we look at gold, it should continue to receive support from consumers buying it. Um, Also demand from central banks that are using gold to diversify their foreign exchange reserves. As John mentioned, inflation continues to be one of the main concerns for investors throughout 2021 into 2022. And inflation is helps gold prices. So it maintains its status as a good hedge for uh, diversified portfolios. And also if we look at industrial metals, we have copper and aluminium, and they have been positively impacted by low inventory levels, restricted supply due to environmental issues that are hampering the production of these types of metals. And Sarah, what's your outlook for the short to medium term? Jane, well, the level of corporate earnings growth delivered in 2021 has been extremely impressive. So there's further good news that this growth is likely to remain very strong for the rest of the year, both in the US and Europe. Quarter three earnings season has kicked off and is expected to show rises of 45% earnings growth year on year in Europe and 30% in the US. Previous quarters, we saw earnings forecasts proving to be more conservative with the actual results coming in well ahead of their forecasts. And a similar outcome is expected for this quarter. So not to the same extent as the first half of the year, but for the full year of 2021, we are expecting earnings growth of 60 and 40% within uh, Europe and the US. Global economic growth is still expected to be very strong over the coming quarters into next year as we continue on our path to economic recovery. And as John had mentioned earlier, there is a little bit more of a softening to these expectations. So the extreme high growth that we have been seeing this year is expected to kind of tail off a little bit. Factors that have been driving this are the spike in the oil and gas prices, supply chain disruptions, inflation worries and slowdown in the Chinese property market. COVID vaccination progress is still playing a part in in economic recovery. So some places like us here in Ireland, we've hit over 90% of the population being vaccinated. But we are seeing the UK, the US, Australia, seeing a stagnation in vaccine take-up, which is causing case numbers to increase. And it's continuing to require the implementation of localised lockdowns to to slow the spread, which then hinders the economic progress of, of those specific countries. And if you read the outlook attached, we, we go into a lot more detail on the factor driving the markets. And lastly, Sarah, taking all we've discussed into account, I'll finish as I always do by asking, what would you advise those who are invested and indeed those thinking of investing? Well, our advice continues to remain the same. So it is invest in a globally diversified portfolio, stay invested throughout times of market volatility as it inevitably passes And just to repeat myself from our last chat, it really is time in the market rather than trying to time the market that will lead to the potential for investment success. 
Sound advice, Sarah. Sarah and John, I very much appreciate you joining me today and sharing your informed views. Our customers can find more information on all we've talked about today in the latest quarterly investment market and review bulletin, which is available now. My thanks to our customers and listeners for joining us on the podcast today. Don't forget for those customers impacted, details of AIB support packages can be found at www.aib.ie forward slash COVID-19. And of course, stay close to all our latest podcasts by pressing the subscribe button to AIB's Market Talk wherever you source your podcasts. We'll talk to you again in the new year. Thanks for listening to the latest edition of AIB Market Talk. Allied Irish Bank's PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. First Trust Bank is a trademark of AIB Group UK PLC, authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority. Allied Irish Bank GB and Allied Irish Bank GB Savings Direct are trademarks used under licence by AIB Group UK PLC, authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority.